Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 120, released on December 24th, a little bit early in December because obviously festive season, everything else going on. Uh, my name is Steve Eunice and I am joined by my good friend Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hey, Steve. How's it going today? Yeah, going well. Uh, it seems to, that this podcast seems to come around pretty quickly every month. Yeah, especially when we're uh, a little bit early, like yeah. this month. But yeah. uh, time is definitely flying. We're here on the cusp of 2015, which you, strangely enough, will reach before I will. <laughs> That's right. A couple of hours ahead of you guys. Uh, but uh, um, it should be a very interesting uh, festive season. The uh, the fireworks here in Sydney for New Year's Eve are always uh, quite spectacular. So I'm looking forward to to seeing what they do this year. They always seem to top it every year. Each year you think they can't do any better, and yet they uh, continue to uh, astonish us with what they can do. But uh, any plans for, for Christmas and the new year? Well, uh, you know, the Christmas season, we'll, we'll be doing a lot of uh, visiting with family and exchanging gifts. And uh, for New Year's, I actually have a wedding that I have to oh, wow. do with the, with, uh, the band. Uh, so we have a, uh, a New Year's Eve uh, band gig um, wow. somewhere about an hour away, I guess. Uh, we had one a few years ago, and uh, everybody in the wedding party and guests and everybody came outside at midnight because over the city of Scranton, which which is nearby to me, mm-hmm. they have fireworks on New Year's Eve. So nice. that was a nice end to their wedding evening. Wow. So uh, this will be the only weddings on New Year's Eve. That's an interesting one. Yeah, this will only be the second one I've done, but apparently in recent times it's become uh, kind of a kind of a popular trend. Yeah. Wow. There you go. All right. Well, let's get into our discussion topics for uh, this month. We've uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice uh, has wrapped. Uh, they fi- finished filming. Uh, New Mexico was the uh, the last place that uh, they did. Uh, they shot at on location. Uh, Seems all very exciting. Now they move into post-production. Yes, and if uh, the internet is to be believed, and as we all know, there are no lies on the internet, <laughs> um, uh, there's going to be approximately two minutes of Superman screen time and uh, 198 <laughs> minutes of Batman. Yeah, uh, we uh, we don't know what the makeup of the film will be. Uh, there's lots of rumor and speculation. We'll get into some of these uh, rumor and speculation shortly. Um, so that's a wrap for Batman v Superman. We've seen um, some of the cast and, or some of the crew actually. Uh, the cin- cinematographer Larry Fong posted a photo from there in New Mexico saying that's a wrap. Uh, I think we saw somebody else from the from the plane as they flew out of New Mexico taking a photo saying that's a wrap. So it's all done and dusted, so to speak. But now we have a, a well a casting uh, call, I guess that I uh, was looking for. A young Ben Affleck, uh, or I'm guessing a young Bruce Wayne, but it was titled a young Ben Affleck. Uh, a particular actor, ten or and twelve years old, they're looking for young boys who have like kung fu training, who are experts in their in that uh, martial arts field. Well, what's weird about that is uh, I thought it was funny because the you know like the day after it was announced that it was that, that filming was wrapped. <laughs> this this casting call comes out, and I said, "Oh, filming is wrapped, except it isn't wrapped because yeah. now we're going to start trying to cast something, and and then they got to they got to get people in there, they got to audition them, they got to decide who they're going to use, and they got to hire them, then they got to sign contracts. 
So it's still going to be another several months then before it wraps. So I'm not really sure what all that it's a rap talk was if they're only just casting characters for the film now. I also thought it was odd, and people will say uh, it's not classy for me to say this, but uh, the photo that he tweeted, it's a rap, I'm hearing now that supposedly it's Batman's cape. Not only does it not look like a cape, it, it reminded me of human excrement, and I apologize, but that's what it looked like. Like To me, honestly, when I looked at it, and I'm not making fun of Batman or the movie or anything, when I looked at it, that is what popped into my mind, and maybe that is because I'm classless, but that, for some reason, I said, what is it? Why are they showing me this? And I was disgusted. Yeah, well, I can tell you, um, I put your mind at, at ease, and... Um... Uh, let everybody know that it was nothing actually to do with the film. Uh, Larry Fong, who put that little video of uh, snow falling on whatever it was, uh, it's actually just his coat sleeve. Um, he thought it was very, you know, photographic, very arty uh, as the, the snow fell. And uh, it was just a, a two-second video of the snow falling on his black coat sleeve. So nothing to do with the film. So, uh, wow. yeah, it's funny how people just go, oh... It's Batman. It's 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 this. It, it, it was just like no. I'm standing outside and the snow is falling, and I'm just taking a little video clip of how cool it looks falling on the sleeve of my arm. Well, Kevin, your arm sleeve looks like human excrement. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I mean, he'll I be apologize. pleased to hear that. I'm sure he'll be very. He probably spent a lot of money on that jacket. Probably, and maybe from a distance, you know, away from the camera lens. Uh, but Artie, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I guess art is in the, the eye of the beholder, uh, each to their own. But, uh, yeah, yes. very good. Uh, <laughs> Notice I'm not an art director no. for any major Hollywood films, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, as for this young boy, uh, Wushu Kung Fu, or I'm not even trying to, Penkak Silat, some kind of other martial arts form that they're uh, being, cons- you know, the training and experience in that field is what they're after. And, and they're yeah, only I mean, using that type so that when Batman grows up and Affleck can growl, I'm a master of same Clinic. What? What did you say? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, it seem, does seem strange they've wrapped the film, but they're still uh, hunting for this. I guess it must be just something, a, a little side snippet that they need, a back, uh, you know, backflash, uh, something, uh, you know, looking back at. Uh, him going through his training as, as a young boy, uh, which can be done, you know, in studio or whatever with green screen or whatever they might need. But um, that's very different than than uh, previous uh, Batman origins, and I, I know uh, it's very possible they're trying to distance themselves from the most beloved, most recent version. Mm. Uh, but the version um, that's on TV right now with Bruce Wayne, he has no idea how to fight, and uh, Alfred is kind of showing him a thing or two yeah, every, right. once, every once in a while. But then. As we know, Batman eventually travels the world a bit and learns from uh, ninjas yep. uh, how to fight. And uh, that doesn't seem to be the case here, although he could still go and learn later. But if he already knows martial arts and kung fu, that's a little different. I don't read Batman comics, but no. I don't remember ever hearing that he knew martial arts and karate as a 10-year-old boy. No, exactly. So we'll uh, wait and see how that plays into the film. And whether I am interested, though, uh, and I had an idea, and it's probably wrong, uh, but uh, people are complaining, more Batman, now we need to see him as a kid. You know, I thought this was a Superman sequel. First of all, we've kind of already decided and been 
told in more ways than one that it's not really a Superman sequel as much as it is a movie that also includes Superman and Batman. But um, uh, what I'm hoping is, you know, there are many different takes on the Batman-Superman relationship. Mm. And we've read several, uh, probably a hundred different ones where they meet as boys accidentally or uh, because someone's car broke down or because they happen to cross paths for some way or another. I'm kind of hoping. And the two boys that were cast in Man of Steel are probably too old now to reprise their roles. And we didn't hear anything about a new person being cast as Clark. But but how cool would it be if we had a flashback scene where the two of them were to meet? Yeah, that would be very interesting. So, uh, But as for whether or not it is a Superman movie or not, uh, people trying to remain spoiler free may want to uh well you know skip ahead to the, the next chapter of this podcast because we might have some spoiler details in regards to the plot of Batman v Superman uh a guy from um bad ass digest or badassdigest.com uh Kevin Ferracci is his name uh claims to have read an early draft of Chris Terrio's uh, script and uh, reveals that the film is very much a sequel to Man of Steel, uh, specifically dealing with some of the fan complaints that arose from Man of Steel. Uh, he says, when Superman confronts a big bad guy and unravels his plot, he tells the villain, I won't snap your neck, I'm going to take you to prison. And on the, uh, and on the nose response to the criticisms of the first movie, of course, Superman later loses his cool and threatens to break the bad guy's necks, so he hasn't quite internalised everything yet. That sounds a little bit fishy to me because it just sounds like really bad dialogue. But uh, he says on, goes on to say that as for being a protector of the people, when the Doomsday fight starts, General Swanwick tells the military that Superman will move the battle away from populated areas because he's a hero, and that's what heroes do. Again, this is a direct response to complaints about Man of Steel. Also goes, goes on to say, it's also interesting to see that Swanwick, who was tracking Superman with drones at the end of Man of Steel, is such a supporter in this film. It seems that most people, except Lex Luthor and a cautious Batman, who is prepping anti-Superman weapons, believe Superman is a hero. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, I mean, Devin Farachi has been on the money with some past rumours and does have a track record of being able to get some pretty good scoops. But this sounds a little bit fishy to me. I, it sounds very fishy to me. And if it is not fishy, and if it's on point, I feel this movie is going to be very bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I understand addressing fans' complaints, and uh, that's probably a smart thing to do because much of the audience, as we learned, was very divided on the the excessive action in the film and the excessive destruction in the film. I don't believe that it was more than Avengers. And I also have pointed out many times that it's seemingly only in that one area of Metropolis because they fan, they pan out and you can see much of the city is unaffected. But to address those complaints and to talk to those fans directly and to explain that it was a situation that couldn't be handled any other way and that Superman is trying to learn from that. And uh, I still think if he came across an army of superpowered beings that had his powers and he had no way to take their powers away, there wouldn't really be much he could do other than what he did. However, to address those complaints and to say those types of things is kind of 
trying to alleviate the complaints that these other people had and trying to show that that was a uh, that was the first time he had come across that sort of opposition and uh, no one was ready for it and there was no other way to handle it uh, as far as th- the other things you're talking about I have not even heard before I thought you were going to talk about uh, the other thing that 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 uh, we had posted on the site not too long ago uh, regarding a Batman character and regarding Batman's position in the Justice League movie and, and his mm-hmm. starring role um, this stuff sounds crazy. I don't know where it came from. I don't know when it was released. I hadn't seen it, but for for Superman to actually be in a fight against someone and mention that he's not going to snap his neck, uh, and then get angry and and almost snap his neck anyway, all of that sounds insane. And uh, Doomsday getting thrown in sounds insane. I just don't. I don't know where it came from. I don't know. And, and if he's saying he read an early version and these were ideas they were tossing around, it, it almost sounds like he somehow got a hold of some joke script or, or, or you know, a, a, a couple of ideas that, that people had um, and, and were written kind of um, hastily and just, just, just I, like almost like uh, storyboards don't really look like the actual action that happens, but mm. it just kind of gives you an idea of what's going to be filmed. Uh, It doesn't sound anything like what I would expect to come out of anybody that's involved in this film. Well, to give you some more background as far as the article is concerned, it was posted on December 15th. Uh, It says, Batman v Superman opens with Batman's origin and fast-forwards to Bruce Wayne coming to Metropolis during the Superman's versus Zod fight, but that's just setting the stage for that character. From there, the script turns its attention to Superman heavily and it examines the implications of Superman in the real world. The main action takes place a couple of years after the end of Man of Steel and Superman has been busy in the meantime becoming the hero we know and love. Clark Kent and Lois Lane have moved their relationship forward to the point where they are living together. Clark is still working at the Daily Planet, although it's unclear if he's he's loving his assignments. He's he's tasked with covering a Metropolis-slash-Gotham football game when he would rather be writing about Batman. Very early in the film, Lois is in the Middle East following a story when Superman shows up to help her out. This becomes something of an international incident as other nations view Superman as a tool of the United States. China, for instance, doesn't want him in their airspace. It's an interesting look at how a being like Superman would be viewed on a global scale. So, mm. hmm. Well, I mean, some of that sounds kind of cool, uh, you know, as, a, as an outline. Uh, I'm not really minding what sounds like the direction that they're taking, although uh, we did hear that Batman is no longer operating and that he's been retired for some time. And I would assume that he's been retired since before Superman arrived. Otherwise, he was only in operation for like a year or something if it's been a couple of years since Man of Steel and he came about after, even though that's what we were promised initially, that all the other heroes would copy Superman and then that they would come from him. But then we find out that Batman not only was here first, but has already been operating long enough to be retired. So why would Clark want to be covering someone that doesn't exist and is no longer operating rather than covering a football game? Although... Clark covering a football game seems way out of uh, character and way out of the type of jobs that we're used to him having, which then goes back to it being the beginning of Clark and the beginning of Superman. So he hasn't yet gotten the status that allows him to cover the types of stories that he would want to cover, although that that directly contradicts it being a few years since he got his job at the Daily Planet. Uh, Also, 
uh, and people kind of complained about this in Smallville, you don't just go to the biggest news conglomerate in the world and say, give me a job, and they say, okay. Uh, it happened. We saw it happen. So there was speculation that maybe Perry White knew the secret, and maybe that's why he brought him on board so that he could be close to the action as Superman and that they're working together and that they're in cahoots and that he knows. Um, all of that would be way out of canon from what we've ever seen with Perry White and Clark Kent, even if it might make sense, being that oftentimes Perry White and Superman and Clark are so close that it should be pretty obvious that Clark is Superman. But... For him to have brought Clark on for that reason would then explain why he was hired with no experience, uh, no portfolio, no having worked at any other newspaper. At least in Lois and Clark, he showed up with uh, Borneo Gazette papers and articles that he had written for Smallville and different articles across the world. And it was clear that he had traveled around and he had learned things and he was knowledgeable. You know, on Smallville, none of them even went to college and they suddenly just had jobs writing for the biggest newspaper on the planet. So it would kind of help explain that, but it also uh, makes very little sense that he would be covering a football game uh, if that were the reason. So I don't know what's going on with that. And I don't know how to explain how these people get jobs at some of the biggest companies in the world doing some of the most important news work when, when none of them have had any experience. But uh, that stuff sounded a little weird, a little wonky. Um, but uh, the flashback with Batman and leading into his origin and, and then leading into turning into very Superman heavy sounded good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know where any of these ideas come from, and I'm not sure where that dialogue came from, from the other stuff. It just sounds really, really crazy yeah it does sound a little bit off and um i like some of the ideas but i'm guessing it's not too hard to come up with some of where they think where these things might go and um you know how they might play into or you know the um, growth of the characters so we'll wait and see if any of those details do come true uh, it's uh, unknown at this point in time whether or not this um report uh is from a real actual script that's what the claim is uh, an early draft, but we'll wait and see how much of that ends up in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, if any of it at all ends up in the film. Uh, but to something concrete, we do know that Amy Adams has been doing a number of interviews of late. She's been promoting her new film, Big Eyes, which uh, is obviously um, during that process, she's going to be asked about her upcoming role, uh, returning to the role as Lois Lane in Batman v Superman, and um, the, one of the interviewers asked her about any possible animosity or competition uh, between Lois Lane and Wonder Woman for the affections of Superman, and um, that Lois tells, or Amy tells us, that's not going to be happening. Uh, so that's good news because I think it's detrimental to you know female characters in superhero films that they can only be the love interest of a character. I think that's um, undermining uh, their roles and the importance of their roles, especially Lois Lane is a very important role in the world of Superman. Yes, she can be Superman's love interest, but that's not all she's about. And same for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Um, 
Although I think I also know why the question came about, and that is for those of you who don't read comics, uh, Wonder Woman and Superman are an item in the New 52, and Lois is really non-existent. I mean, she shows up, but she really doesn't have that much of a role to play, which is unfortunate for Lois during this time. And uh, a lot of fans being sad that the Lois-Clark relationship ended also have that extra annoyance and frustration that there really is no Lois importance at all. I mean, there was this whole Brainiac thing, and she was kind of heavily involved there, but she was really a villain. And uh, other than that, she just kind of is there but doesn't really have any anything much to do. So that's kind of annoying, but that's probably why um, the interviewer asked her because uh, that's what's going on in comics these days. Uh, not that there's a... Uh, there's actually no animosity between the two of them in the comics either. No. But uh, but that's probably why he asked because he assumes that uh, Wonder Woman and Superman are going to want to be a thing and Lois is going to be in the way or whatever. Uh, I found it unfortunate when I heard that they were bringing Wonder Woman into the movie that they had already established a Lois Lane relationship because I thought it would be interesting and something we hadn't seen before. We've seen Lois and Clark romance forever on film and mm-hmm. movies, everything. I thought it would be interesting to maybe explore the the, the Wonder Woman angle first. Uh, And I'm also kind of very much against Wonder Woman being interested in Batman at all. So I hope they don't go in that direction. Yeah, well, as far as Amy Adams is concerned, her role as Lois Lane is still uh, important for Batman v Superman. She says Lois is still sort of like the key to the information. She's the girl going out and getting it and figuring it out and putting it together and all of that. So she's very much involved. Uh, so that's great news for the role of Amy Adams as Lois Lane in Batman v Superman. Uh, looking forward to seeing her heavily involved again. And she also uh, says in a, another interview with, um, who was this one, with, with uh, moviephone.com that she's still locked in for a further film after uh, this, which kind of confirms her role in Justice League Part 1, we assume. Uh, so uh, looking forward to seeing more of Amy Adams as Lois Lane in upcoming movies. It's going to be interesting um, because when we finally get to the proper Man of Steel sequel, I'm guessing she's going to have her AARP card. <laughs> well, they may, may renegotiate the contract. I know most actors do a three-picture deal when they sign an initial contract. I'm sure that uh, if uh, and when they do a standalone Man of Steel film down the track, that they'll renegotiate with uh, Amy Adams to return as Lois Lane. Well, the AARP card I was referring to is, of course, the American Association of Retired Persons. So, <laughs> oh, you think uh, that she'll be too old by then? <laughs> that was the because she was what uh, fifty-five when they originally cast her in Man of Steel. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> I'll be that old? <laughs> no, but uh, uh, there was much talk about uh, oh, that yeah, they cast an, old, an right? actress uh, ten years older than than uh, Henry Cavill and. Uh, and, and, and they're only just starting, so how far can they go uh, when they tend to cast uh, in these superhero films people who are in their 20s or something so that they can go uh, a little bit longer, I guess. But uh, no, I mean, uh, I love Amy Adams, and I think, I think she was, uh, she's beautiful, and I think she's, she, was, she was great as Lois. I was just making a joke. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right, uh, that's where we're at with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, as far as any news is concerned this past month. Uh, we can move on to another movie, an animated movie, which is not too far away, and that is Justice League Throne of Atlantis, which comes out January 27th. Uh, but before its uh, Blu-ray and DVD release, 
It will get its world premiere uh, in LA and then its New York premiere, obviously, in New York. Uh, the LA uh, premiere will happen on January 12th, which is uh, only uh, a couple of weeks away. Uh, we will have a uh, Superman homepage r reporter covering the uh, LA premiere uh, in uh, Los Angeles on January 12th. And then the New York premiere will take place uh, a couple of, what is it, a week later on January 26th, it will take place. And again, we will have a Superman homepage reporter covering that event because there will be uh, cast interviews and a post-screening panel discussion uh, to take place uh, at that uh, at both screenings. So we look forward to presenting to you uh, those interviews and coverage uh, in January. Now, what did you think of War? Because I, I, I think that it looks like this series is continuing. It's the same sort of animation and it's, it's a continuing story of the uh, formation of the Justice League. It's it's one of the next major story arcs that happened in the new 52 Justice League arc. Did I, do I remember you saying that uh, Superman's portrayal wasn't very good and you weren't that happy with it? I wasn't uh, unhappy with it. I just think Superman, it's very much a new 52 version of the Superman from that early years. Uh, it is based on Jeff John's uh, Justice League Origins story and Superman is a lot, uh, much more brash and uh, less likely to talk and more likely to punch. Uh, so it's a, a very, I guess you could say, Grant Morrison-inspired uh, Superman as far as like from the early action comics issues where he's a more of a kind of, you know, like as I said, brash, off-the-cuff, um, you know, fist-first kind of character. Uh, he has developed since then in the New 52 comics, as you know. But uh, Justice League War, the animated movie, was obviously inspired by an, an adaptation of Jeff John's original Justice League story. And other than, you know, the inclusion of Cyborg uh, and Aquaman being omitted, obviously that's for the fact that now Throne of Atlantis is a direct sequel to the uh, Justice League War animated movie and is more of a Aquaman origin story and introduces him into this continuity um, so uh, I don't know how, how much Superman will have to do in the throne of Atlantis. So we'll wait and see what his involvement is, but it's definitely a, a Aquaman heavy story. Now, do you feel like, um, I, I don't know, a lot of people are complaining about Superman in the new 52 and the new 52 in general. Do you think that, cause I find that the reason for it is, and I, and I want to see if you agree with me on this. I find that the reason for it is that people have always, not always, but for a very long time now, complained that Superman is this Boy Scout and he never does anything wrong. And how can you have an interesting character who never doubts himself? Mm -hmm. And and I feel like they have introduced a lot more of that recently. I, I've never felt that to be the case. Uh, he's always questioned himself and he's always trying to decide which the right course of action is. And then he always doubts whether he made the right choice or not. And he's always concerned with using his power in the wrong manner or whatever. So he definitely has a lot of inner turmoil and always has. But but the whole emphasis on these days of very dark characters, very negative type characters, uh, almost anti-hero type things, and where you can't come straight out and make Superman an anti-hero because it would change him way too much. Do you feel like, as I do, that a lot of the... And I think there's slight changes, but there's a lot more of this, I'm bad for the world, 
Um, did I do this wrong? Did I, you know, it just seems more like they're going for that kind of much more aggressive thing. You know, when you mentioned in war, he's much more likely to punch first and ask questions later. This not thoughtful version of the character where because it's going to be much more interesting to the general uh, theater goer or movie watcher who thinks that Superman is lame. Yeah, I definitely think there's more of that. Um, And some of the interviews we've seen with some of the comic book writers indicates definitely that they're, going with a more, you know, oh, he's not sure of himself, you know, he questions his motives, or not his motives, but his actions and his uh, his impact on the world and whether or not he should get involved. There's definitely more of that. I don't necessarily like it myself. I, I like Superman being someone to be uh, an inspiration or someone to aspire to. So having him that flawed, I think, is uh, detrimental to the character. Um, but, yeah, we don't want a Superman who just knows everything five steps in advance and is able to, you know, you, you come to the end of the story and he says, oh, yeah, I did this, 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 and this because I knew you would do this, this, and this, which is what sometimes he did in the Silver Age stories where he was able to, you know, be seven steps ahead of everybody else. And I think that can be uh, just as detrimental to the characters, um, you know, uh, bit to be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing more of what you're saying as... You know, being this um, you know doubtful type of character and unsure character, I, and I'd I'd like to see them move beyond that. I can understand that as being a growth for the character, you know, as in his early days. But let's see some growth and uh, and some positivity moving forward uh, in some stories. Yeah, I, I hope I hope that that happens. I mean, I I feel like a lot of fans feel like it's already been too long. Uh, but on the other hand, if they were trying to change fans' minds who didn't like Superman because of those reasons, maybe that's what they felt would do it. You know, uh, making him a character that that is is different emotionally yeah. than what Superman has kind of always been. I'm I'm not. I'm not certain, and I didn't watch War. Um, but my uh, my ongoing movie buying budget isn't uh, isn't necessarily what I would like it to be, and and uh, you know buying movies these days it doesn't really seem to be uh, something that's happening all that much. So I kind of wait for things to be available on Netflix and mm-hmm. you know uh, to get around to. But uh, it's weird; uh, it's been a long time for uh, Flashpoint which was before war and that's still not out yet. Uh, although they have had other ones on Netflix. So I'm not sure when I'm going to get to see that, but uh, I do want to watch it because I, 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 you know, when 52, the new 52 was being released and they were still doing um, classic Superman type uh, stories. I thought it would be interesting to see the new costume and action and, and some of the new stories. And so they're doing that now, but um I haven't watched them yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you get around to seeing them soon. And uh, as we said, January 27th is the release date of the Blu-ray DVD of Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Okay, well, that sees us to the end of our movie discussions. Uh, we do have some TV talk to get into, and some details have emerged uh, in regards to this Krypton TV series. Uh, which uh, back in late October we had rumours about a possible new TV series called Krypton that was being developed by Man of Steel screenwriter David Goya. And now uh, in December we had uh, the confirmation from Hollywood Reporter about the TV series along with a few story details. And we have 
uh, from Warner Brothers Television and DC Comics. Krypton takes place years before the Superman legend we know, when the House of El was shamed and ostracised. This drama, which is in development, follows the Man of Steel's grandfather as he brings hope and equality to Krypton, turning a planet in disarray into one worthy of giving birth to the great superhero, uh, ever greatest superhero ever known. Uh, the uh, Ian Goldberg from Once Upon a Time and Flash Forward will pen the script and exec uh, produce alongside David Goya, and the story was conceived by both Goya and Goldberg and will air on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yes, all interesting, I think. Uh, I thought it was odd that it ended up at Sci-Fi. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Sci-Fi or how that works over in over in Australia. I don't even know. Do you guys have it? Yeah, we have the Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. Uh, the good thing about that is it's it's I think more readily available since it's a cable network in other countries. Uh, whereas, uh, oftentimes, depending on where we're at. Uh, different countries have to wait an extra year to see a season, or um, they don't. They don't always. They don't air on the same night, and they don't air in the same year. So you're, you're gonna, you hear everything that happens before you ever get to mm. watching it because Very they've true. already been on for years. Uh, but sci-fi, uh, I don't know how much you watch it or what you've seen on there, but I don't watch it at all because anytime you tune in, anytime you try, what you get is really campy. Really cheesy, really bad effects, really silly movies and 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 shows, um, and I don't know if they're moving out of that. You know, um, but Fox for a long time was considered the the crappy network, um, and I don't even know that they were ever crappy. You know, but but the but the idea being that they were this upstart network that didn't have the money or the time or the uh, inclination to put on good programming. So, but but sci-fi was never really considered a regular network it was never considered to be none of these you know tnt uh all these amc these cable networks you know amc is american movie classics and now it has probably the best two shows that have ever been on television and the most popular two shows that have ever been on television with walking dead and with breaking bad so you can certainly get really quality great programming on cable uh, more than you can on regular networks oftentimes. Mm. So that could be great. But so far with sci-fi, we haven't seen anything like that. So I was very surprised to hear it. I'm a little concerned. I would love it if uh, the uh, Krypton series could be the first uh, serious good show to come out of sci-fi. Uh, but I'm not I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, uh, sci-fi here shows, you know, obviously a lot of uh, science fiction type programs. Not all of them originated with sci-fi. Uh, a lot of the Stargate programs, uh, a series, air on sci-fi here in reruns, obviously, because uh, they were on uh, primetime shows, most of them, um, when uh, channels when they were on uh, in their original runs. But, um, yeah, there are some good sci-fi shows, that uh, TV shows that I watch, Um I, you know, I don't, I agree with you that some of them are pretty campy. Some of the effects can be pretty bad, but all in all, I think uh, effects have come a long way in TV. So uh, one of the complaints or criticisms I saw about this uh, concept was that uh, on a TV budget, they're not going to be able to do a great, um, you know, a space-based TV show. But I think that, you know, special effects for on a TV budget have definitely improved and, and continue to improve every year. Uh, I mean, even, you know, with shows 
like Smallville, you know, the effects were pretty good, and that's been gone for a couple of years now. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that it's got good special effects. Uh, I don't mind the fact that it's following uh, Jor-El's father. I mean, Jor-El may still be uh, a young character. We don't know how old his father is in this movie. Obviously, the protagonist, the you know, the the main guy. But there's no nothing to say that Zod and Jor-El and uh, um, you know, even Kara and her family couldn't be, um, you know, other characters within this storyline. Um, we don't know at what age uh, Jarrell's father, we don't even know his name in this iteration yet, uh, you know, might be. We don't know what he's coming up against. But having read uh, some a lot of stories and comics about Krypton's background, especially Kevin J. Anderson's uh, Last Days of Krypton novel, uh, I think it's a, a you know the the background of and the history of Krypton is rich for mining with all these characters and background information that is available out there as canon or as you know previous canon to uh, tap in on. Yeah, I mean, I, a complaint that I have heard is that uh, who who the hell cares about characters we don't know? Uh, who wants to see Jor-El's father? Um, uh, this is going to be terrible, you know. But I heard the same things before we knew it was about Jor-El's father. In that, who wants to see a show that doesn't have Superman in it? Superman is the draw. That's what we want to see. Um, and the same people complain that that's why Gotham was going to fail because comic book fans aren't going to watch a Batman show with no Batman. Uh, I, I don't particularly think the ratings are high. I actually thought Gotham was going to be canceled because they were low, and I really like it. I'm enjoying it. So I hope it isn't canceled. But from what I've heard, it's considered a very big success, mm. and their their numbers. Get Game must have changed. They must have uh, realized that in the new age, uh, numbers aren't going to be what they were. You know, with a hundred channels that have quality programming now, as opposed to when Mash was on and got uh, thirty-five million viewers, that's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah, so right. maybe they know that, and maybe that's cool, and maybe four million viewers is great, and I'm glad because I'm really enjoying it. But um, the idea that you can't ha- have a, a good show about Krypton because Superman's not in it. Uh, is silly. Uh, I I think uh, you know Superman's not in Breaking Bad. It's a great show. You know That's Superman's right. not in every show, and and it is still a Superman. Show. I love it because it's more Krypton. It's more Superman. It's more L family. Whatever it is, yep. it's still a Superman based property. So exactly. why complain about it? And 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 say, you know I've heard Superman fans say I won't be watching this. I just don't care. And that's fine, but I don't see why you would have that attitude right out the right out of the gate. Now, if you watch, if you turn on sci-fi and it's got, uh, you know, giant spiders clearly on a green screen while people are screaming in terror because it's Spider Apocalypse or whatever it is, uh, then then okay. But uh, maybe it'll be great. And I don't know. May, I don't if those uh, Stargate shows. I don't know if they were produced by sci-fi or if they were produced somewhere else. But uh, I didn't get into them. But but they were more high quality. They were higher quality than what sci-fi usually produces. So don't don't write me saying I don't know what I'm talking about and they've had good shows. If you like their shows or if there are shows I'm not thinking of, I'm just talking about sci-fi's normal reputation. And, and, and uh, I believe they put together uh, uh, Sharknado. Mm. So that's the kind of stuff – that I'm used to seeing from sci-fi. I, 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 you know, don't generally look to sci-fi for shows. I did try. I think it was called Continuum. I think it's already been canceled, and it seemed 
okay. It was a time travel type show, mm -hmm. and that was made by sci-fi. So I think anybody these days, as you say, can make a show with decent effects on a television budget uh, and, and with good writing and good acting. Any network can pull it off. I just don't know if, if sci-fi's mantra includes, but we got to be cheesy or we got to be goofy or <laughs> because – you know, for years and years and years, critics have accused sci-fi of just being a uh, a playground for goofiness and a and a playground for geeks and a, and a playground for um, <clears throat> the stuff uh, more serious adults could never enjoy or whatever. And it's kind of been crapped on for a long time. And I've always thought there's no reason why sci-fi can't be looked at as ripe a ground for mining great characters and mining great stories. You know, Star Trek proved that long ago. And I, I was going to mention when you were saying that Smallville was on years ago, Star Trek The Next Generation was on in the 90s. Mm. And I thought the space effects were great, were fantastic. They didn't have yeah. many because they didn't have – they always had like two episodes a year where there would be a space battle because yeah. they had to save up their budgets for them. Yep. And I thought the space flight was great and the, and the fights were – most of it took place on a bridge. Uh, you know, or in the ship, yeah. which which is what a show like this, you know, would be his lab or yeah. the courtroom or wherever they're going to be for the council chambers. It's not mostly not going to be out in space. Exactly. But when they do that or when they have moments where they're going to – they certainly have the ability with computers now to do basically anything they want to do. I mean I see fan films. Yeah. Uh, about Star Trek and Star Wars that look just as good as the movies do. Exactly. And, you know, saying that you don't care about – uh, the characters because Superman's not involved or whatever. As you say, you can jump on a show, a brand new show. You know, when you first started watching Breaking Bad or uh, The Walking Dead, you didn't know any of those characters, but yet you be became invested in them and you became interested in them. And then, you know, it became something that you, you know, you, be you, you started to know them, you learnt to know them. So that's the same with any TV series, whether it's based in a universe that you're familiar with or not. Agreed. All right, so the other... TV show that we have to look forward to moving forward is Supergirl and that's a little bit further along the way as far as I understand and Dude. there are already reports about some casting uh, possibilities and <laughs> oh sorry anytime anyone says Supergirl I start singing the Helen Slater theme song uh, the leading um, contender at the moment is and um, it's only rumour um, is uh, a, a lady Claire by Holt. Claire Holt who has been in the Vampire Diaries and the originals on the CW and uh, playing the role of Rebecca. So she seems to be a leading contender at the moment, although there is speculation about whether or not that's true or not. But someone along that those lines would be great, I think. I think Claire Holt, not just because she's Australian, uh, but I think she would be pretty good in the role. Now, uh, because you've hired me for my controversial statements and remarks right. um, and I have to live up to that otherwise yes. my pay gets docked right. I do want to say that and I don't want to be insulting people have different looks but something about Claire Holt she looks uh, she has a she has a, a she has a different kind of look <laughs> uh, I also thought that uh, Laura Vandervoet had an odd look as well. Uh, both pretty girls, both attractive, uh, but but something 
struck me as off about the the pictures I have seen, and maybe there are others of of Claire where you know sometimes you take a bad picture, and I look like I look. So I'm not saying anything. It's not really a negative. I guess it sounds negative. I don't know that there's any way to say someone looks odd without sounding negative. Um, The guy playing um, uh, Brother Blood on Arrow is an odd looking bird. I know you know. I mean, he looks weird. Um, So. That's all I'm saying, and and I I I'm, I'm sure I haven't seen their shows. I'm sure they're wonderful, and and uh, you know, but but I but I I don't know. It's not even the, well. They don't She's look not like Helen. Your Sl- vote, in other words, they don't look like Helen Slater. Uh, it's not that, but you know, uh, I don't know something about the way they look, and and looks are not supposed to. That's kind of a vapid statement. You can't cast somebody because of how they look. Uh, so so I apologize for that, but something strikes me. Um, as off with both of the girls who have played, who, well, the girl who played Supergirl and the one who's supposedly up for playing Supergirl. Okay, fair enough. That's uh, each uh, your opinion. She is blonde, though. Yeah, well, she and, has, and that. of course, she's Australian. So, well, uh, then that's you know, she's a great actress. Just right. off that, shoe but, it right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know if she's you know if she's even tested for it. It's just a rumor that was going around. So we'll wait and see uh, in the new year what they do with the role of Supergirl and the other roles that we've uh, spoken about in a previous podcast uh, that are going to appear on the Supergirl TV series. But that show I'm very excited about, and the people who aren't excited about Krypton because there's no Superman in it, good news, (laughs) no Superman in this one either. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But Supergirl will be there, and we'll see as far as, you know, will there be a costume? I mean, there seems to be a trend in uh, in uh, both movies and TV, uh, that is keep them away from what we know they look like in the comics as much as we can. And, oh, and that well, the either, Flash that does either, a very good job. That's true. The Flash is really the first one, uh, and even there, uh, his uniform is kind of a maroon, a darkish brown, yeah, true. Uh, uh, not really red. Um, when it was destroyed in one episode, I found myself saying, "Oh, maybe they're gonna." <laughs> make a new one, and it's actually going to be red this time. But the, they didn't. He just had 18 of them. Or I forget what he said, but he said something <laughs> like, oh, no, I have 18 more of those um, made because somehow they're uh, flush with money to make these experimental suits that the scientist that runs the place didn't know anything about. But they are destroyed and underground, and everyone hates them. But somehow they still have the money for those kinds of things. But um, So I don't know that she's going to appear in uniform or when she's going to appear in uniform. I mean, we went 10 years on Smallville without seeing the uniform and 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 people still complain that we still didn't see the uniform because it was cgi at the end but um uh, the point is uh, she's in it kara's in it so mm-hmm. whatever version you get of her uh, will be different than in krypton where obviously kal-el cannot be in it because he hasn't been born yet yeah. uh, but we could see some flash forwards we could see some sort of um, dream sequences where people are thinking about their unborn children or who knows what we might be able to see. You know, people have um, fantasized to me in emails, oh, what if what if uh, they actually hire Henry Cavill and they have him at the, the new Fortress of Solitude and he's tapping into the history of Krypton and that's how they start the show because – Harrison Ford appeared on the uh, Indiana Jones Chronicles, and he's a movie actor, and they could do it, and sure they could, and and that would be very exciting, but um, I don't know that that's going to happen, because these days they don't normally cross over movie and and film uh, characters, although Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing it, so anything is possible. 
And that has even lower ratings than Gotham. So (laughs) I don't know what the hell is going on with the rating system, but I would love something like that. I I mean, sell your idea to them if you can. If they haven't already decided to do it, it would be great. And then Henry could appear maybe on finales or mid-season to recap or to talk about what he saw. or You know, that would be be great. But uh, I I don't know that that's a possibility. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention about Supergirl is – I already tweeted about this, but guys who are casting, I'm an actor. <laughs> uh, Hank uh, Henshaw, I guess, is supposed to be uh, probably one of the antagonists. He, you know, an FBI agent in his 40s. I'm about that age, and I think that I would be perfect. So please, I bequeath you, uh, help a guy out. Let me at least uh, uh, read for this damn thing. There you go. Scotty's begging <laughs> to be cast in the Supergirl TV show, and let's hope that... I don't believe that anybody who has any power in casting is going to hear me, but... Uh... Hey, <laughs> you've got to try. Let's hope. let's hope, yeah. All right. Let's move into comic book talk, and we'll start off with Superman number 36, uh, the continuation of this Ulysses story where um, he's decided that Earth is no longer worth saving or no longer worth helping... He's opening up, uh, what is it, 15 million spots for uh, people to join him on his spaceship thingy that's going to take them to a... Spaceship thingy. Yeah, that's a technical term. Well, that's Uh, what they call it on sci-fi. Right. (laughs) Where uh, people can go with him to uh, a different reality where things are much better and they can save and cure and do all kinds of fantastic things and... um, it's uh, what do you make of this story? That's right. My squid-like friends from the fifth dimension, uh, from the fourth dimension, from the great world beyond will be able to – my black ink-like squid creature friends will be able to – my dark kind of scary-looking squid-like friends will be able to come and save you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was weird in the beginning when – we saw his squid-like friends, and that this was the world that he came from, and and uh, uh, he loves it there. Uh, obviously, uh, without spoiling too much, we find out in this story that um, perhaps the world that he's trying to take people to isn't all it's cracked up to be, and maybe isn't looking to help anybody. Mm. Uh, I did enjoy the story, uh, but it. Uh, <clears throat> It seems a little odd that suddenly out of nowhere these ships appear and all these people are willing to just go. I, I feel like, yeah, there would be some crackpots that would be like, oh, take me. But I don't think the majority of human beings would go running out there to immediately leave the Earth uh, because some weird guy with electrical powers showed up floating in the sky and said, your world sucks. Come to my world with me. Um, so that I thought was odd. Uh, I, I, I like the page with Obama on it because they clearly exaggerated his ears <laughs> and, and they put golf clubs um, <laughs> leaning against the wall behind him. And I don't know how up you are on some of the criticisms of Obama, but it was clearly a political statement by whoever drew it because that wouldn't have been in the script. It wouldn't have said, you know, Jeff Johns would probably wouldn't have wrote, make sure you put golf clubs. Um, but he's been criticized for playing too much golf with all the problems that are going on in the world. <laughs> so they clearly 
uh, he, whoever, you know, the, the, the artist, Cooter, is it? Um, well, I mean, it Aaron, is, it is uh, John Romita Jr. Uh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Must have thought that it would be funny to, you know. Add some putters uh, and. Kind of, you know, and, and he was probably making a political statement against Obama at the same time. But um, I thought it was funny. Um, uh, and I like, it seems to me that Jeff Johns gets Superman's attitude. I think we've said this before. I think he understands who Superman is yep. and how he feels. When Superman says, it's not our job to fix every problem, it's beyond us, uh, but it's not beyond the people. In other words, he really still believes in, in humanity, yep. and he knows <clears throat> that he can't go around uh, fixing everything. So I really like that, even if I don't like... <clears throat> Some of John's reimaginings, like Secret Origin or something, which did not do it for me, I still, I still think he gets the character of Superman, uh, and I like that. So, uh, I, I really, I did enjoy the story. Um, not that Superman should be so invulnerable that he should never be hurt, and and clearly this guy has the ability with this electricity and whatever else he has to hurt Superman, uh, but it's. Sometimes it irks me when there's all this blood pouring out of different orifices on Superman. Yeah, I understand. I mean, we do know that Ulysses has a very similar power set to Superman and also has the ability to affect Superman's powers somehow. We've seen that in previous issues. But there is obviously something more going on with him than what is on the surface because he says that he's done this before. It's different this time because it wasn't Earth before. He's told his parents that they can't come with him, which sounds ominous because if it's so great and so fantastic where they're going, then he would obviously have them first to go. But it sounds like there is uh, something very sinister about where they are going. And obviously we get that cliffhanger ending where uh, Ulysses has Superman bleeding and, you know, in a, uh, his hair and his fists uh, knocked out. So... Uh, and the cover is very ominous as well, with uh, Ulysses wearing Superman's costume. Yes. Now, was that was the variant, or that was the actual cover? Because there's a cover That's with him in his cover. normal costume. Uh, so there must have been two, <clears throat> a second cover either inside or on the back, or because uh, there's another cover with Ulysses not, and maybe mm. uh, maybe that was the one they released uh, As a, uh, so that so that they didn't give it away or whatever yeah. uh, with him in his normal black uniform. Yeah, so uh, that was Superman number 36, and Superman number 37 comes out uh, this week, uh, the week that you're, uh, re uh, this is released uh, on the 24th of December, so um, that's why we have uh, not dis included it here for discussion, but uh, what we do have is Action Comics number 37, and uh, Action Comics number 37 is continues on this Horrorville story where Superman is uh, with Lana Lang and Steel, trapped inside uh, the town of Smallville, unable to get out because of this uh, force field thing that's uh, surrounding it. Uh, he has um, um, asked the Toy Man, uh, Hero, for uh, help, trying to figure out what it is, what's going on, um, and it's all very kind of, oh, you know, uh, spooky in there in Smallville. Yes, it is very spooky. The townsfolk are acting incredibly creepy. But what's more bothersome to me is Lana's attitude. And I mentioned this last month. She's irking me. 
and she continues to irk me. And now Superman's starting to irk me because he's agreeing with her. Um, why is it Superman's responsibility to save her parents specifically when he's busy trying to save the entire planet and barely kept hold of his own self while he was doing it? And why does she have a right to continue to blame him? Now, I understand people's emotions don't necessarily give in to logic, um, but she's supposed to be his best friend. She's supposed to really know him. She's supposed to understand him. She's supposed to love him. And and, and I'm sure she'll come around, and that's what's part of this whole story. Um, but it's very bothersome. Um, and I, I, I don't know why you would want to make us not like a character on your show or on your in your book or whatever but but she's becoming increasingly less likable i understand they want to put a gun in her hand and they want to make her say words like hell and shoot people and be you know all badass um and that was you know lana was never that so they're trying to give her that whole like powerful thing which is great but at the same time they're making her um nasty and and uh, unfair and uh, toward her friend and, and unlikable and, and and again sometimes you say things you don't mean sometimes you get you let your emotions get to you and all that but this has been going on for a while now and uh, he's still trying to do everything he can to save people and he's still saving the world on a regular basis and he's supposed to be her best friend and and she you know if anybody should be cutting him slack you know, even before Lois would cut him slack because she's a reporter and she's supposed to find the truth and she's supposed to present opposing views and she's supposed to do those kind of things. This is Lana, someone he grew up with, someone that's he should be able to trust and count on and, and be there to have his back as he always is for her. And it's bothersome to me that she's dropped the ball so many times in this storyline, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, she does seem to be a, quite a down character in this, and that's understandable. She just lost her parents. But as you say, I hope it's not a trend or a character trait that they're trying to bring into her because she, you know, obviously knows about Superman's past and, and you know, his uh, Clark in Smallville and what he's had to sacrifice and, you know, what how much he has to do and how much he responsibility sits on his shoulders without dumping more on top of him. So um, I don't know if it's an effect of what's happening there within Smallville, whether it's a residual effect that's taking um, effect on her, but uh, all in all, uh, it's not a likable trait. So we'll wait and see whether or not uh, she's redeemed after this story. Maybe she comes to her senses or some kind of revelation makes her realise that you know she has been unreasonable. But... Um, the design of the monsters and the the parasites in this are quite uh, horrific. Yeah, I also uh, noticed that uh, there was some doomsday scaling. I thought. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, you know they made a big deal. They made a, a big point to tell us that uh, the the crater they were at was where Superman killed Doomsday, and that all that went down there. And when the creature comes out. There's on the center of its head or on the center of its body, whatever's there in the center of the there's like that doomsday uh, dinosaur like uh, scaly pointy thing with the, with the white hair looking stuff and it and it's gray and it looks like um, a part of doomsday or, or uh, some sort of residual uh, psychological leftover uh, of doomsday, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I think um, with all the hints and all the clues and this is going on where you fought doomsday, 
um, is leading to there's some sort of leftover emotional residue from Doomsday that's mixing with whatever's going on here, mm. um, or it's actual actual the the actual essence of Doomsday still there um, somehow morphed into something else is what it is what it was what I'm thinking that it is what it appears to be to me. Cool. Um, you know, uh, Lana at one point says to John Henry, uh, you know, you love to believe in the best in people, which A, is what Superman always believes. And B, yes, he believes that because Superman taught him to believe that mm. when he saved him from his construction crane and caused him to create the character of Steel in the first place, which no longer exists <laughs> in this continuity. And that annoys me as well, not because I'm not a fan of the new 52 but it makes no sense that John Henry Irons would be steel flying around with a cape and a big S on his chest when he did not have any interactions with Superman that would have led him to do those things. Hmm. Maybe he would be in a steel suit if he managed to create a steel suit and he's supposed to be really intelligent and all that. Um, but there's never been any mention in the New 52 about how much I admire you or I wanted to model this after you or uh, – you know, uh, he just is steel yeah. with all that steel comes with without ever having that interaction, which made him become steel. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I like your uh, theory about the, the doomsday thing. That could be interesting to see. If, let's see if that uh, ends up uh, being uh, in there and a, a, a reason for what's happening. We'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, that was uh, the Action Comics number 37. We Did now, you think that yeah. the uh, the page where he grabs onto Hero and then it ends up a splash page and the monster's behind them and he's holding them and the poses that they're in was was indicative of, of the, the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? Because that mm-hmm. – I thought that that was maybe we, what they were going for with that whole vibe, um, the way it looked like he was – the way they were reaching out, the way the – way, I think the way they were posed – um, I, or if it was just subconsciously inspired by that, I, I thought uh, I really got that vibe when I turned the page. Yeah, I can see that. I can see where you would come, you know, especially with everything that's surrounding them, uh, very much so. But uh, yeah, I wonder if that was an inspiration for the way that uh, particular page was constructed. Uh, very interesting. Um, no, I don't know. Mm. Good point, but. All right, we move into the next comic, which is Batman Superman number 17. And Batman and Superman start tracking down suspects uh, for who killed uh, these, uh, assassinated this, you know, uh, Lex Luthor, or attempted assassination on Lex Luthor. The other one I thought originally was um, uh, General Lane, uh, but it's actually a different general. And another one was a superstar um, musical um, uh, talent who was actually a, uh, originally a um, character that Superman saved from committing suicide, from jumping off a building, uh, which I thought was a very nice touch uh, tribute to two previous stories, one by Grant Morrison in uh, All-Star Superman and another one in the Grounded storyline in the pre-New 52 um, continuity, uh, merging the two names of those two, two characters to create this particular character in this particular story. Yeah, I, uh, I I like the tie-ins. Um, it's weird because it, it almost it almost <laughs> contradicts what I said about the last story we were just talking <laughs> about. Because now now we're being told that these characters who 
did exist and had these interactions still do exist and still had those interactions. Well, I don't know if they're saying that as such. They're more saying that this is inspired by or a tribute to those previous stories, but this could be an untold story of uh, Superman talking down a suicide jumper uh, that we haven't seen, which is probably something that Superman does and has done, like saving cats from trees and things that you don't necessarily always see within comic book stories. But the naming of the character was uh, a tribute to those two different stories, I assume. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and, and uh, tributes are always interesting. They're nice to read, especially yeah. if you're not only a new fan since the new 52 which i don't believe there are any but um uh you know if you do have a history and you do know the stories and you have seen these characters before you know obviously you're the only one who's going to recognize those things because the new people wouldn't um it's almost like disney putting in jokes that only adults are going to get because they know that those people are going to be there so they so they have it there i I still like the story a lot. I still like the idea of this uh, this untouchable foe, this this guy who's so very scary and can talk to them and can see them and clearly knows what's going on, uh, but they don't know him. They don't know where he is. Uh, it's almost like a, like a horror movie or like a thriller where uh, the bad guy's getting you, but you don't know where he's going to come from, and 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 you're you're kind of helpless, even though these are the two biggest heroes in the DC universe. Um, they seem to be helpless to stop this. Um, one thing I, that irked me a little bit was uh, I understand that, and we've never even really seen why, Superman hates Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor hates Superman and their enemies. But when a guy has been shot in the chest and he's dying and people are saying, we got to do something, we got to help him, whatever – it's a little bit off-putting to have Superman smash down on his chest and tear it open and then hold him up by his throat and say, you're the one doing this when the guy's bleeding from the eyeballs uh, <laughs> because he's been shot in the chest. That seemed like uh, very different than Jeff Johns understanding the character in the other book we talked about and more like somebody saying, well, this Superman is a badass and that's what we're coming. You know, we want the people who like badass superheroes to read Superman. And for years and years, no one's been reading Superman because he's not a badass. And this guy's a badass. Yeah, no, that was a bit aggressive. And you can understand that he's uh, at his wit's end, trying to figure out what's going on because people are dying. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know who. He doesn't know who. But we... do you grab the but, infant yeah, but... out of its cradle and start shaking it because uh, <laughs> it's crying. you're annoyed? I mean, some people do, I guess. Yes, yeah, but uh, not superheroes and uh, not Superman. So uh, I understand that uh, he'll be frustrated, but that does seem a bit excessive. Um, he also has no nothing to base it nor, on. Nor reason to believe that a man who, what, he shot himself in the chest? <laughs> and he's lying there bleeding to death just to get super – I mean the Joker might do something like that um, uh, to to get at Batman uh, if, he, if he thought that that would – you know. The Joker is definitely not below, not beneath um, suiciding himself if he thought that it was w- what it would take to get Batman. Um, but but well, Luthor is not, not that person. Not that crazy. But uh, <laughs> they still seem – uh, uh, you know, unsure of who to go to, where, who might be behind it. So their first suspect is Lobo, the, the new version of Lobo. And uh, so Superman starts attacking him and asking him, you know, why did you do it? How did you do it? And he's going, oh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, leave me alone. And uh, Superman chucks him in outer space. 
<laughs> you know, uh, with you saying Lobo's dialogue like that, I just realized that while the old Lobo's voice was Brad Garrett, I think the new Lobo's voice should be Steve Eunice. Why not? If you're going to be, be in Supergirl as uh, Hank Hanks. like, listen, listen, be... mate. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, eh? And then he, could, then he throws him into space and, he, uh, you know, but whatever. But uh, I, that, I, I think that's perfect. Yeah, why not? Um, so uh, they uh, then as soon the... as they went after the new Lobo, I said, uh, "Really, the new Lobo? That's who you think's capable of doing this?" <laughs> but uh, obviously, he's not the one. So Batman enlists the help of Lois Lane, and uh, yeah, we uh, they need someone as bait. Lois is bait. I love, I love that Batman has ideas, and I love that he's trying to track things down, and he's using computers. Because, you know, he's got computers, right? Yeah, and he's got money and he, and he has the Batcave and he has all these, you know, things at his disposal that he can use to try and scientifically narrow down the field, which is what Batman should be doing. Exactly. Which is when the movie comes out, that's where he should be. Yeah. He should be coordinating. He should be studying. He should be trying to find, you know, he shouldn't be on the ground fighting okay. Lobo. It just doesn't make sense. Ah. So when I see it in a story like this, I go, exactly. That's where Batman should be. Batman should be picking up Lois in the car and saying, come on, Lois, we got to do some stuff. Uh, Not out there uh, toe-to-toe with these characters. I also thought Superman's reaction with Lobo, same thing with Luthor. There's no basis. Uh, and, And as you say, he's at his wit's end. But Superman normally, and this is New 52 Superman, doesn't start grabbing people off the street and beating them to submission when he has no proof and no idea and they've done nothing to warrant it. Uh, but um, And I also like when Batman can't figure things out. Not because I'm a hater and I want Batman to fail, but because I don't, just like you said earlier with Superman, it was no good when Superman just was 12 steps ahead of everybody and always had everything figured out before the story even started. That's boring. And I don't know why he's so popular, but seemingly when he knows everything, does everything, can outdo everybody, that's when Batman is favorited the most. And I like it when he's a guy, which is what he is, and he's smart, and he's a detective, and he tries to figure things out, but he gets outthought in this. The guy's there, and he doesn't know where. The guy's in his system, but he doesn't know where. The guy can talk to them, and he doesn't know how. That's you know that's, that's a story. That's that's guys trying to figure things out. Yep. That's not Batman going. Oh, I know exactly where he is. You know <laughs> exactly. Or as Christian Bale would say, I know exactly where he is. Uh, but uh, you know, yes, Superman was very aggressive with Lobo, and again, he's at his wit's end. But it's not like Lobo is just some innocent guy. He's Lobo. Uh, he is an assassin. He's an an alien uh, that has a track record. And so, he, with Superman, well, has not Superman this... ever even met him. Does he even know who he is? Well, he obviously knows who he is, and um, you know, <clears throat> we do know that he's an assassin, and he is in the middle of some fight or something that's going on at the time. So, um, right, you know, he's not just standing there walking down the sidewalk and you know minding his own business. Uh, so but that's man. bothersome too, because Superman has ne- we have never seen Superman meet Lobo no, in the, in, in this New Fifty Two at all. There's no. never been a story where he knows who he is or he knows what's going on. Kara met him very briefly, yep. and then I thought he was going to be an ongoing Kara villain, but now he's here, and and uh, it's like they're just throwing him in because they are trying to guess people. But why would you go to a villain you never met who's not really in your rogues gallery to see if he's trying to kill your friends when? 
he has no connection to you whatsoever. Yeah, unless Batman's had some run-in with him, uh, and that's why he we went to read. But we, I don't know. I don't like you. Don't read Batman. So maybe someone can tell us if Batman's had any interaction with Lobo that would uh, make him a prime suspect in this uh, in this particular issue. But uh, we move on, and we now go to Supergirl number thirty-seven. And Kara is now a student at the Crucible. This is part two of the Crucible story. She's um, mingling with new students that she's come across. Uh, one of them is Comet. Um, one of them is Maxima. And the other is a uh, being by the name of Savo, I guess you pronounce it, who uh, Maxima likes to call a cat as a, as a kind of a, um, a negative with negative connotations, but he does look like a cat, so um, there is that. And Savo seems to be <laughs> the uh, the son of a king and queen of his planet, and supposedly there's a civil war or some kind of a, a problem happening on his home world, and the leaders of the Crucible are trying to decide what kind of course of action to take. The Green Lantern Corps is otherwise occupied. And so Kara and her fellow students are sent in with Savo, obviously himself, to, uh, to see what's going on, and uh, we find out uh, that it's a family affair there on on uh, his home planet. Uh, I, I, I don't like this story at all. I mean, I kind of said it last month. Um, I, I thought maybe we'd get some hometown stories with Supergirl. I thought, you know, she's been gone for so long. She became a Red Lantern. She's, is that... Is that what the book's going to be? Just her traveling around, being told why she is great for something else, but not for what she is, over and over again. Um, and now she's in this crucible because she's better than Earth, better than being among the humans. Or, or uh, I understand we don't just want a carbon copy of Superman in a wig, but uh, and that's not Maxima. It's the same as with John Henry. Maxima was Maxima because she was Maxima. This is some teenage punk ass uh, that is not Maxima. <laughs> uh, again, we're in the New 52. It's a different version of Maxima. And, you know, we, we've got the upcoming uh, continuum or whatever it's, what it is uh, that's, that's going to have to do with uh, showing us that the, the other timelines and other universes still exist. So Maxima still out there. And who cares about Maxima? I understand. So what? I mean, Maxima is just her name. They're using her because... Uh, people with history will know there was a Maxima, but um, uh, she she was always a minor character and never really that important. But uh, this isn't her, and it's not. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm not. Yeah, I'm not loving the story. Yeah, fair enough. And it is only uh, in its second chapter. It does seem like a totally new direction for Supergirl. Um, it is very much, you know, a superhero school like, uh, you know, Hogwarts is for Harry Potter, trying to teach them different lessons, history of other planets. And she feels like some kind of connection to that idea because she never finished school on Krypton. But And she's a teenager still or a young adult or whatever she's, age she's supposed to be. So I can understand them taking this, this angle with her. Um, I will, you know, I'll, I'll check out to see where it, where it continues. Um, I always like to have... Other characters, supporting characters, Supergirl hasn't really had, although they introduced Michael, now he's back on Earth, um, kind of left behind. And I just has yeah, I feel Earth. like I feel like that's just going to be abandoned. I feel mm. like he that was, was that, here, and but... it's over now. And you know, yeah, 
So we'll wait and see where and how long the crucible uh, continues for Kara and what she learns out of it and whether or not she can come back to Earth as a, a superhero and and you know. But I you know I understand it's hard to have Supergirl and Superman on the same planet doing the same thing. So they've created a new um, angle for Supergirl, and uh, uh, I'm willing to let it play out. You know, I just want to make it clear. You know, this isn't. This isn't hating on the new 52. I've been reading it. I've read every comic since it launched. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I haven't liked many of them. And Supergirl's been a book that I haven't really liked at all from the mm-hmm. beginning. I mm-hmm. keep reading. I keep hoping. Um, Superboy, too. And that's gone. And, and I think that's proof of it not being good enough. Although I don't think Superboy ever really sold as a book. Anytime they've tried to relaunch it, every version has been canceled. Maybe you get the clue and say, well, I guess Superboy's not a story, not a book that can have his own, not a character that can carry his own book. But, you know, I see on Facebook someone post a picture of the Hulk writing with Superman like he was a pen in blood crushing his skull. And and I see people saying, well, if this is the take the underpants off him and it's the new 52 version, uh, I'm perfectly happy with this picture. That's going a little too far. You know, I'm not saying that I hate everything about it just because it's new 52. And these are these are people I think that aren't really reading that just decided they don't like it because it's not what they liked before and maybe read one story or heard one thing or taken one thing that they, that someone told them and having that base their entire opinion on what they should say about things. This is still Superman and Supergirl. It's still versions of those characters. So if you like them or ever liked them in any incarnation to say that I wish the Hulk would crush their skull and have them bleed all over the ground like a pen is just a dumb thing to say Unless you just never liked them, and that's fine. But uh, these are people that are clearly making the distinction that if it's the new 52 Superman, I'm good with it. But if it's the regular Superman, then this would never happen. Mm, no, whatever, right. regu- whatever, whatever regular, regular is. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not just coming out and saying yeah, anything no, Supergirl does in the new 52 is no good. I'm just not feeling it, and I haven't really felt Supergirl – uh, that didn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really gotten the book since it launched. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, you mentioned Superboy. It does seem to be, uh, well, there is a panel or two there, including Superboy. So he may end up being uh, somewhere down the line in this book. Uh so we know that he's that would be back. good, and I think that would be a good use for him. Although I can't imagine the numbers Supergirl is seeing either, uh, as far as sales, when Superman's books are flagging and they can't keep a third Superman book around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it would be nice to see Superboy as a supporting character in any Superman family book. So yeah, well, we I know he's that. coming back to the Teen Titans. Uh, we've seen in the March solicitations that Superboy will be back in the Teen Titans uh, book. If, well, he will be in that particular issue and the annual on the same months in the Teen Titans book. So uh, Superboy may be returning to the New 52 universe uh, and possibly will play a role in upcoming Supergirl stories. So we'll wait and see what happens there with that character. Um, Okay, let's move forward to Justice League number 37. And the Amazovirus uh, continues um, and uh, they're looking for Patient Zero and seem to have... Uh, come across him who uh, he seems to be able to uh, take on the ability or some kind of manifestation of anyone who is within um, a certain distance of him yes indeed and that's uh, indicative of what I guess Amazo has always been yeah, the um, yep. 
so that's neat. At least they're kind of sticking with that uh, in its own way. And, of course, Lex Luthor is uh, perfectly fine, even though we clearly just saw him shot in the chest and stabbed by Superman in another book that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, we don't know which uh, what uh, position in the continuity these books take. Uh, they're obviously within the New 52, but not in the same uh, timelines. Uh, and... Uh, very interesting to see the ending of this book uh, without giving a spoiler, I guess. I mean, if you read it, you've read it, and hopefully you have. But uh, Batman seems to be in a bit of a predicament, which is, uh, I don't want to say nice to say to see, but instead of him being the one who's at the end, who's always saving everybody else, he seems to be victim number one or a victim already in this. Oh, he will be. Give it time. You're not <laughs> at the end of the story yet. Yeah, this true. is all part of his plan right? somehow. Becomes um, an Amazo victim. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, we, we've already said we don't read the Batman books. Obviously, uh, he has storylines, and obviously he has villains, and obviously he gets into situations that he has to get out of. It can't, you know, it can't just be him uh, 20, 20 pages one after another of him just uh, one-upping every villain. You know, <laughs> first page, he gets rid of this guy. Next page, he gets rid of that guy. Third page, he gets rid of this guy. Um so there are predicaments, and there I'm sure that there are there is drama, and then that there are situations, um, and that's what his book should be about. It should be, uh, he's supposedly one of the greatest detectives on earth. It should be about him figuring things out, about him getting out of situations, using his smarts, his wits, that kind of thing. And I'm sure it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, uh, I'm sure his story for the last. 60 years or however long it's been hasn't been just Batman being the greatest and never having trouble. That's got to be his, uh, uh, you know, he's got to have that going on in his book as well. So, uh, being fair, since we don't read it, um, I'm sure that, um, these types of things happen because that's, how, that's what keeps, um, People readers coming back, coming back yeah. to see what the next thing is. You know, will he, you know, find out next time, you know, uh, that whole thing. So, uh, that's good. They could have said, you know, when I was reading that, that's what I thought of. You know, the voice on that old show. Will Batman be victim number one? Uh, will he roast? You know, the, the kind of things they would say. Will the boy wonder? You know, <laughs> uh, it used to be fun to watch those. Yeah. So that's Justice League uh, number 37. Uh, very interesting to see how that plays out because it does seem a very dire predicament that they're in. Uh, some heroes have already fallen. Now Batman seems to have been exposed. So... What will happen next? It is very much that kind of cliffhanger scenario that you mentioned from the uh, from the voiceover. This dire predicament reminds me of a story from this weekend. I went and I was playing poker, <laughs> right, at the casino, yeah. and uh, this guy, these guys, uh, like sixty year old guys, sit down next to me, and we're all playing at the same table, and they see my phone, and on my phone I have this anime looking, Asian looking, young looking cartoony Superman right. cover. It's, okay. a, it's a rubbery Superman cover, and it's down on the table, and they can see it. And I'm wearing my suit. I look good. I got a Superman tie on, but like right. a dress suit, like a suit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and, they, and, he, and he starts, they start talking to me about Superman. Oh, I guess you like Superman. And I get that all the time, and that's <laughs> fine. And it seems like they're interested, and it seems like they're interested in hearing about Superman and why I like Superman and what I think. But at the same time, I'm kind of sensing a moculatory vibe. Right. like. Like they're mocking me, right, okay. and it, like every once in a while they'll say something that that seems like they're 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 kind of like putting you down, trying to bond trying to bond with me. But right. then they'll look at each other and they'll kind of like whisper something and they'll laugh. And maybe that's just me being paranoid. But then he goes, the one guy goes to me, "Hey, um, 
because of all this stuff, and he points at my tie and he points at my phone, does anybody ever think you're a brony? And I don't know if you know what a brony is. I have no idea. But a brony is a full-grown man who is a fan of My Little Pony <laughs> and dresses up as it and wears makeup and knows every episode and goes to pony conventions. They're called brony. They're called brony conventions. <laughs> And they have they have pony costume contests where they dress up and they try to win and it's men. Okay, very interesting. Full grown yeah. and they're buying pony stuff and they're reading the Friends's Magic Pony thing or whatever it is and they're watching the old series. You know, so he asks me that and and I explain to him. I go, no. And what I wanted to say was, no. Has ever anyone ever accused you of being an idiot? <laughs> but I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> I instead said. You do know what a brony is, right? He goes, oh, yeah, you know, and he points at my stuff. I go, no, a brony is a full-grown man who's a fan of My Little Pony and collects My Little Pony and goes to My Little Pony stuff. He goes, oh, oh. And he kind of his, his attitude was kind of like, how's that different? <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I just like superheroes, you know? <laughs> and he goes, oh, I guess I don't really know what a brony is. And I go, no, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> and that was it's just an interesting <laughs> interaction that I thought wow. maybe listeners to this podcast Could might um, relate to. Relate to, yeah. Wow, there you go. Maybe that's your new nickname from now on, Brony. Brony, indeed. That's what they'll be writing me now. Brony You're Brony. nothing but a hack, Brony. <laughs> you could never replace anyone, you Brony. Very good. Uh... Stop acting like you're William Shatner, Brony. <laughs> That's the kind of things I get. If you don't watch the great Scott things, guys, those are the kind of reactions I get. So maybe you're missing out on something. Very good. All right. Well, let's move on from Brony into some uh, <laughs> some other stuff. And uh, DC Comics, are, are, are they're picking up their game with these theme covers, these variant covers. I love this variant theme cover that they're doing in March with these movie poster variant covers. In, covers inspired by some classic movies or some classic movie posters of bygone eras. Um, and some of these look phenomenal and definitely have to be posters. Yes, I agree. I mean, um, it's, it's clearly a gimmick. I've talked about this For before sure. and a lot of people hate it because it's their way of trying to gouge more money out of you. Right. But in the age of the internet where people aren't buying paper and where it's very hard to sell to come out with things like this, that people want to collect is a very smart business move. I don't know if it works, mm. but I love movies and I love movie posters. And we don't really these days get a lot of the cool movie posters anymore. There are always posters, derivative. but they're all very like it's like a picture of a guy or it's, you know, like an yeah. actual yeah. photograph of, of Samuel L. Jackson yeah. in the movie or whatever. Yeah. It's not these cool painted um, staged kind of scenes. Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker was ripped in the movie poster for <laughs> anything like Luke Skywalker at all, other than that he had blonde hair and a white coat. But, uh, you know, these movie posters and, and like like Indiana Jones movie posters and Back to the Future, these ones that were – I think they're all drawn by the same guy, every single movie I just mentioned. Uh, but they were great. And so these old-time movie posters uh, kind of have variant covers. I, I hated the Harlequin idea. I don't yeah, know that what was that dumb. was. I don't know where that came from. Uh, but uh, this is this I like. Yeah, well, the Superman Wonder Woman number 17 cover inspired by Gone with the Wind has really um, 
captured some fans' imaginations. They really like that one. It's 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 classic. Uh, there's Action Comics number 40. is inspired by Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Very funny having Superman and Doomsday sitting on top of the uh, the the phone box there. Uh, Batman Superman number 20, inspired by The Fugitive. Uh, not necessarily one that's that uh, familiar to a lot of people. Uh, it's Justice League number 40, inspired by Magic Mike. I think a lot of the ladies and some of the guys like that one. Uh, Justice League United number 10, inspired by Mars Attack. Uh, Supergirl number 40, inspired by The Wizard of Oz. I actually didn't even recognise that that was a Wizard of Oz-inspired uh, cover initially, uh, but uh, having seen the, 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 the poster side-by-side side, now, I can definitely see that. And Superman 40, uh, inspired by Superfly. Um, so that's a, an interesting one there. But some, yeah, that is a strange one. Yeah, but some, uh, some fantastic covers, the Bill and Ted one and the uh, Gone with the Wind ones especially stood out to me as... Uh, being uh, two very well-done covers. Cool. And I just wish DC Comics, seeing it, as you say, as you say, okay, not a lot of people are buying paper covers, and so if you want to get these uh, paper comics, you want to get these, you buy the variant covers, which costs a couple of extra dollars sometimes, um, sometimes more. But if you are, it is a new age of the digital comic books, why not, doesn't cost you anything more, I'm sure, include these variant covers as extra pages at the back of a digital comic book. I mean, we're seeing them online. We're seeing the images, uh, you know, people making wallpapers and phone covers and whatever else out of them for their own purposes. Why not include them in, in the digital comics, which then might inspire somebody when they're flicking through and they see that to then go and buy the paper version if that's a cover that they are, you know, enamoured with. Now, there are some. I have seen them when I'm reading them that do include three or four variant covers, but then others that don't. Um you know, I, like, for instance, variants, uh, there's there's usually uh, you usually get the, the, the there's a digital um, cover that's different from the print cover, but when you buy the digital, let's say Justice League for instance, the background might be red on the digital version, and if you yeah. collect the print version, that's the digital. You know, when you get the pack, it's like a it's like a Justice League digital pack. It comes with the paper version, but on the paper version, the thing is blue. But it, but if you buy the newsstand version without the digital, the background's a different color, and then the digital version itself online is a different color. So, and you get you get all three of those sometimes, but not always. Uh, the weird the the weird variant covers. I don't think I've seen so. Yeah, it would be cool, and I and you're right. I think it would be a good way to solicit business from people who do want to collect something like that. Exactly. So let's hope they're they're listening and get you cast as Hank Henshaw. No, no, no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> and get these digital covers included. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, just before we move away from comic book, uh, just want to announce that our Shield Award results are in. Our 2014 Shield Awards uh, were conducted. You, the fans, got to vote on your favourite comic books and other items uh, released in 2014. And uh, the results are up on the website uh, for everyone to check out. Um, Action Comics was a big winner this year. Greg Pack did a, a fantastic job and has won uh, a number of categories uh, with Action Comics in the 2014 Shield Awards. So check out all those results. Uh, I was very happy with the uh, response we got this year. And congratulations to David Grant Lloyd, who won our LEGO Batman 3 Beyond Gotham video game, which was the prize that was up for offer uh, for voting in the 14th Annual Shield Awards. Congratulations. 
So that is up on the website for you to check out and congratulations to everyone involved who won those various 11 categories. Uh, look, before we move into the big question segment, uh, 2014 is done and dusted as far as this podcast is concerned. We've discussed uh, over the last 12 months everything that's happened in the world of Superman. Um, from your point of view, what has been the highlight for you in 2014? Well, I think I, uh, I think I enjoyed the most enjoyment I got out of a Superman form of media was probably the Gods Among Us video game. Okay. Uh, which is a strange thing, I guess, and I don't even know if it was released in 2014. It's probably older than that. Mm. But I played it in 2014, uh, and I liked it because it, even though it still kind of painted Batman as the main guy, Superman was the guy they had to go to. Superman was the guy that had to end it. Superman, in the end, was the big hero that you waited for to show up. He couldn't... You know, in the story, he couldn't come through. The the, the, the the universe spanner or whatever they were using had shut down. But at the end, the way they reveal the S logo when he's standing in the blue as it's forming him and he's coming through, it was just a very heroic and very cool. And it was like, finally, because it was the whole time. It was it's like a it's kind of like a Mortal Kombat style game. Mm. But each character is introduced. So you play like four chapters as the flash then you play four as the green lantern then you play four as you know deathstroke then you you know and you go through all the character and the last person that you finally get to and that always to me has pointed out this is the person that's important <laughs> this is the one that you're waiting to do this yeah. is the you know and and since gods among us is really about a superman gone bad again it's a superman story as much as Krypton will be a Superman TV show. Right. Um, he's the bad guy, but it's still a Superman story, even though it has everybody else in it. He's the lead antagonist, and uh, it's it's great. And and in the game, I thought uh, him being the lead hero as well as the lead antagonist was a very cool uh, thing for me to experience because I got I finally got you know that cool like here he comes feeling <laughs> that I you know that I haven't had and and. Uh, uh, since Man of Steel or whatever came out. Very cool. Well, for me, uh, 2014 was a, a pretty good year. I felt that um, while we were obviously, you know, in the the um, um, backwash, if you like, of Man of Steel and what had happened and all the fallout from that, leading into everything that's happening with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, it's been a very exciting time following all that news and all the rumours and we've got some pretty good access uh, from the fans and that who are on location taking photos and video footage of the on location filming so that was that's been pretty cool uh, the comic books I thought have uh, stepped up a, a notch this year uh, some you know some better storylines some some better artwork um, you know uh, Ramita Jr. notwithstanding um, <laughs> But uh, and and this just the news about what's coming up for 2015 with these you know Supergirl and Krypton TV shows. Um, 2014 has been a very lackluster year on the TV front. We haven't really had anything. Even with DC Nation, at least in 2013, we had some of those cartoons and animated shorts and things. In 2014, we haven't seen much at all. We had the one animated movie, which was Justice League War, uh, which uh, received some lukewarm uh, results as far as uh, fan reaction was concerned. Uh, so, really, the comic books was a, a highlight for me, and just the covering of all the news and things that's been going on behind the scenes with the upcoming movie. 
uh, has been pretty good, that, that kind of access. And, uh, you know, all the regular stuff that we do at the Superman homepage. Uh, I've had a great time doing all the, the monthly podcasts with you. I have a lot of fun watching your videos uh, for the Great Scott segment and seeing what kind of craziness you're going to get up to at the end of each uh, segment. <laughs> uh, and I've really enjoyed doing the, the live show with Michael Bailey this year. It's just been phenomenal the way that the Superman homepage car crew has been able to bond together and, and do all these great things that we're able to do uh, just for the love of the character. From adversity comes triumph, my friend. Exactly. So uh, it's been a pretty good year in, in my estimation and uh, looking forward to a bigger and brighter 2015. Very good. Me too. Happy New Year. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll get to those kind of sentiments at the end of the show when we wrap up. But for now, let's move into our big questions segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what is your opinion on the role of Lois Lane and other supporting characters in fleshing out Superman Clark Kent's character? And Hector has our first response. It's uh, He writes in, Lois Lane gives Superman hope that people need a hero to save them. Without Lois, Superman would probably give up. Ma and Pa Kent are the real heroes because without them, we wouldn't have the man himself, Clark Kent, which led into Superman. What if Lionel Luthor found him instead and raised Lex and Clark? Together, they would be unstoppable ruling the world. Everything happens for a reason, and I'm glad the Kents found him first and raised him the right way. Very good. Uh, Thank you, uh, Hector. Uh, Donovan Hunter writes in and he says, uh, Hey, Stephen Scotty, I think Lois Lane and all the supporting characters are important to the Superman Clark Kent mythos. I think the best incarnation was the Lois and Clark TV show. All the characters were a lot of fun. Did you guys enjoy that show as well, Stephen Scotty? Thanks, and keep up the awesome work. Well, thank you, Donovan. Yes, I didn't enjoy Lois and Clark, and I thought the fact that the Kents were still alive in that TV show and had a, a, a you know, big hand in forming Clark's relationship with the world and becoming Superman, and he'd always go back to them for support and for some... Uh, from, their opinions on things. I thought that was a fantastic uh, part of the show. Yes, it was dynamic in character. Um, yes. The the main cast, not so much the villains, uh, Lex Luthor notwithstanding, but everyone else was kind of goofy. Uh, the plots were kind of goofy. The effects were really bad. I loved it when it was on. I loved watching it. It's a little more difficult to watch now. Yeah, but even at the time when I watched it, I would say, you know, if I'm going to show this to anyone, like my dad, I would try to get him to watch because he watched the pilot when it was on and he called me and I was at work. I was working at McDonald's at the time. Um, that's how long ago it was. And uh, he called me to say, oh, it's going to be great. We'll watch it again with you because he loved the, the feel of the pilot and sure. the pilot was so much different and the show kind of changed after that. Although season one was still really good, and then it got really different. But uh, I was excited by it. I liked it, and I said, if I'm going to show this to anyone, if I'm going to get my dad back into this, I'm just going to show him, like, the parts of the episodes Hmm. that he needs to, like, just the relationship parts, just the parts that are about the mythos, just, you know, not the uh, master of the universe, I am, you know. That was one of the villains who would sit at his desk playing with action figures. Uh, that kind of stuff I think you could skip. But I I loved it. 
I loved the, the 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 actors on it. I thought they were the best ever cast in, in all of the roles, um, the supporting roles and everything. And and as Steve says, uh, the, the the having Ma and Pa Kent there, I was so disappointed in Man of Steel uh, when they once again killed Jonathan Kent. Uh, I was so disappointed when when they killed Jonathan in Smallville. I just wish they would stop doing that. I don't think it's necessary. It bothers me that all heroes have to, you know, in the Flash series. Uh, they had to kill his mother, and I guess that's what happened uh, in Jeff Johns' reimagining of the Flash, and that's what it is now. I just wish that everybody didn't have to come from traumatic, horrible backgrounds. Uh, I don't necessarily think. I mean, in general, Superman already comes from a planet that was destroyed, so everyone is dead. Do we need more people to be dead? Mm. Is it necessary? So it always bothers me when they do that. Um, not to mention the way it was done in Man of Steel, but. Um, it was great about Lois and Clark that they were still alive. Okay, who's our final one? Argent L. wrote in, Happy Holidays, Stephen Scotty. Happy Thank Holidays, uh, Argent L. Uh, Thank you for making the year enjoyable and for all your hard work keeping us up to date on Super Happenings. That's all, Steve. Um, <laughs> he does all that keeping everybody up to date stuff. I just do this crazy, zany attitude work, which, as I said, I'm highly paid for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you provide us a great sense of community and for being a great influence on my life. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. Because of you, Steve, I've bought and read Glenn Weldon and Larry Ty's books. Cool. Because of you, Scotty, I have a permanent crick in my neck from looking up in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Not having this website would be like Superman not having the Daily Planet. No Perry, no Lois, no Jimmy, no crypto, no fun. I want you guys to know your work brings such an added richness to my enjoyment of the comics, TV shows, and movies. Thank you, Arjunil. That's very kind of you. Uh, Very nice uh, email to receive, and we really appreciate those sentiments. It's uh, a lot of fun for us as well. That's very nice. I'm... I'm a little teary right now. I'm doing, you know, that thing that girls do when they, they wave their their hands in front of their face because they don't. Oh God! I just love it. Yeah, that's and I'm seriously there. I have I'm I'm feeling a little verklempt. There you and go. I thank you. And I'm, I'm glad that you uh, love what we do so much. Thank you. There you go. Now, uh, what is our new big question for this month? Our new big question is: What was the highlight of 2014 for you? And what are you looking forward to most in 2015? Yeah, so uh, Scotty and I have talked a bit about what our favourite parts of 2014 were. Um, Obviously, 2015, looking forward to uh, those TV shows that we mentioned, hopefully coming out in 2015. What about you, Scotty? What's uh, what's 2015 holds you from the Superman front? I am super excited about Krypton, and I am super excited about the possibilities for Supergirl. I... Uh, liked the Supergirl movie for what it was. I love the music. I love Helen Slater, but it was a pretty bad film. Um, And so we've never seen um, a Supergirl um, uh, starred vehicle uh, other than that. I mean, she was in Smallville, um, but I really, you know, and I loved uh, the 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 Batman Superman uh, Supergirl story uh, uh, animated thing they came out with. I loved that. So, I think there's a lot of ripe stories to tell as long as we're not meeting Maxima and and other students (laughs) going around on some interplanetary school. Um, So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And and I I think Krypton has the potential, as you mentioned before, with uh, some of the Anderson ideas, even though they're not – they don't have him as a writer. Yeah. But there's so much. I wish they would do that. I wanted to see that in movie form. Yeah. 
and Superman wouldn't be in that. And I was cool with that. I don't know that the general public would 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 spend six hundred million dollars going to see that movie. But I think on TV we got a real shot of seeing some of that kind of stuff. I was disappointed. I'll be honest when I heard that it was not going to be Jor-El because I really I, I, I would have sworn up and down. I would have bet you that that's what we were going to see. But for some reason, people thought that it was either a downer or it was uh, uh, we already knew the ending because if they started with them, it would end with the planet blowing up and that wouldn't be any good or whatever. I don't know why that would be a problem because we know the ending anyway. We do know that it blows up and we do know that Superman comes out of it. Uh, But they did decide. I don't know if it was because of fan outrage or not. They did decide to go back even further, but then that seemed to cause further fan outrage uh but i'm excited about it so yeah i mean i, I think i think uh we, we and 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 i want them to succeed and i want these other superhero shows to succeed i love all of it i love the age we're in i love seeing it all and and i hope we keep getting more you know people have said for years how about a superman show well how, how it's been so long and now we get krypton and and people say oh a show about krypton i mean it's a superman show guy yeah he's not on it but you know, and, and we got Supergirl. I, 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 it's very exciting. Yeah, and obviously we're also looking forward to any trailers and things coming out for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. It's going to be a very exciting time leading into all that promotional um, phase of the 2016 movie. So uh, that is our thoughts on this big question. Your chance to get involved. Uh, find the big question form on the Superman homepage and send your us your response. We'll read them out in our first show of 2015. Uh, You can also record an audio answer and uh, send that to us, and we'll play it here on Radio KAL. Yes, go to the big question button on the uh, on the page there, and uh, you know hopefully we'll get some more responses. We were a little light, but uh, people are probably busy with the holidays and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully we'll see some more next month when everything kind of dies down and uh, it's a little quieter around your houses. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing. Superman comedy sketch time, and uh, this month we have. Uh, a Jerry Seinfeld sketch. Uh, obviously, a lot of people know that Seinfeld is a massive Superman fan. Uh, Superman appeared in a lot of episodes of the hit Seinfeld TV series. And here he is in a stand-up comedy skit where he's talking about Halloween, which uh, was not too far uh, gone. And um, it's uh, part of a CD or DVD titled I'm Telling You for the Last Time. It is available on DVD and CD from our online store. So uh, check that out. But uh, here he is talking about Halloween, and it involves a bit of a Superman discussion as well. One thing I do like being down there with the old people is it makes me feel like I'm little again, like a little kid. And when you're a kid, you can eat an amazing amounts of food. And that, all, just candy. That's all I ate when I was a kid. The only thought I had growing up was get candy. That was my only thought in my brain for the 10 years of human life. Just get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy. Get candy. <laughs> family, friends, school, these were just obstacles in the way of getting more candy. That's why you have to teach kids not to take candy from strangers if they're playing in a playground. And they can barely understand it. Don't, no candy from strangers? All right, candy, strangers, no candy. All right, because otherwise I'm taking the candy anywhere I can get. There's such candy moron, idiot brains. Just this man has candy, I'm going with him. Goodbye, I don't care what happens to me. Get candy, get candy, get candy. No, don't go. They'll torture you. They'll kidnap you. It doesn't matter. He has no Henry. I have to take that chance. Get candy, get candy, get candy. 
So the first time you hear the concept of Halloween when you're a kid, you remember the first time you even heard about it? It's like, your brain can't even, what, what is this? Who's giving out candy? Someone's giving out candy? Who, who is giving out this candy? Everyone that we know is just giving out candy? I gotta be a part of this. Take me with you. I, I wanna do it. I'll do anything that they want. I can wear that. I'll wear anything I have to wear. I'll do anything I have to do. I will get the candy from these fools that are so stupidly giving it away. So the first couple of years, I made my own costume. They, of course, sucked. Ghost, hobo, no good. So I'm begging the parents, you gotta get me one of the ones from the store, the cardboard box, the cellophane top. So one year, third year, finally got it. Superman costume, not surprisingly. Mask included in the set. Remember the rubber band on the back of that mask? That was a quality item there, wasn't it? It was good for about 10 seconds before it snapped out of that cheap little staple they put it in there with. Thinnest gray rubber in the world. You go to your first house, trick or snap, it broke, I don't believe it. Wait up, I gotta fix it, you guys. Come on. Wait up. That's a good thing, wait up. Kids don't want other kids to wait. They must wait up. To wait up. Because when your little life is up, you're growing up, everything is up. Wait up, hold up, shut up. Mom, I'll clean up. Let me stay up. <laughs> Parents, of course, just the opposite. Just calm down. Slow down. Come down here, sit down, put that down. You are grounded. And keep it down in there. So I had my Superman Halloween costume. I was physically ready. I was mentally prepared. And I assume when I put this costume on, I would probably look exactly <laughs> like the Superman I had come to know on television and in the movies. Now, you remember these costumes. It's not exactly the super fit <laughs> that you are hoping for. You look more like you're wearing Superman's pajamas is what you look like. It's all loose and flowing. And neckline kind of comes down to about there. <laughs> you got that flimsy little ribbon string holding it together in the back. Plus my mother makes me wear my winter coat over the costume anyway. I don't recall Superman wearing a jacket. So you're going out there, you know, and the mask keeps breaking. So the rubber band keeps getting shorter, I'm keep, makes, gets tighter and tighter on your face. You can't even see, you're trying to breathe through that. Remember that little hole, it gets all sweaty in there? And the man starts slicing into your eyeballs. I can't see, I can't breathe, but we gotta get the candy, let's keep going. 
And a half hour into it, you take that mask, oh, the hell with it. <laughs> Bing bong, yeah, it's me, give me that candy. <laughs> I'm Superman, look at the pant legs, what the hell's the difference? Remember those last few Halloweens, getting a little too old for it? Just kind of going through the motions. Bing bong, come on lady, let's go. Halloween doorbells, candy, let's pick up the pace in there. You come to the door, they always ask you those same stupid questions. What are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to be done by now. You want to move it along the Three Musketeers? I got 18 houses on this block alone. You just hit the bag, we hit the road. That's the routine, let's just pick it up. Sometimes they give you that little white bag twisted on the top, you know that's gonna be some crap candy. <laughs> it's gotta have those official Halloween markings on it. Hold it, lady, wait a second. What is this, the orange marshmallow shaped like a big peanut? Do me a favor, you keep that one. <laughs> yeah, we got all the door stops we need already. Thank you very much. We're going for name candy only this year. And I think about how I used to eat when I was a kid. How I would, I remember Halloween, I would get, you know, I would have like a punch bowl and I would fill it with candy. The top of it would be curved. That's how much candy, I would consume that entire punch bowl that night. Next day, feel fantastic. So there you have it. What did you think of that one, Scotty? <laughs> I always like Jerry. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Seinfeld. I, uh, I'm very disappointed that he's kind of not really doing anything. I mean, he does have comedians and cars getting coffee. That's his show. It's an online show. Uh, and I've watched a couple, and, and uh, they're entertaining. Um, uh, but he wanted to get out of the whole, right? It was too busy and too, too tiresome and too difficult to continue to write. Uh, all the funny dialogue and all the monologues on, on the Seinfeld show. And, and you know, he does, I guess, tour, and he still does a, a, a comedy episode every once in a while, and that's what we've got here. So uh, it's nice to at least have something uh, that's that's going on. Yeah, so uh, we do have some comedy sketches lined up for our future podcast, so, but we're always interested in hearing more. So if you know of one that will translate well just to being an audio sketch here on our podcast, uh, we're happy to hear from you. So uh, let's move on to the rest of the show. Super secret soundbite time. Last month's sound came from the animated movie Lego DC Comics Batman Beleaguered. Let's hear it again. For an all-powerful alien, you think like a small-town farm boy. So there was the sound, and uh, four people guessed it correctly. Who were they, Scott? They were David Huang, Hector, Donovan Hunter, and Fred Walsh. Congratulations to those four people for guessing where that sound came from. Yes, well done. Hooray. Let's hear uh, our new secret... Let's hear our new super secret soundbite and see if those people and more can guess where in the world of Superman it comes from. <laughs> this little guy was crazy for Christmas. We used to wrap his presents in lead foil so he couldn't peek. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, then use the super secret soundbite entry form to send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Yes, and I'm going to give you a hint. It involves the Man of Steel. <gasps> 
Oh, see, see, I'm yeah. helpful. Yeah. I do stuff. I'm not just a hack. <laughs> Superman song time. Um, yes, indeed. Being that it's it's the silly season, uh, we have a song titled Mr. Mixius Pitlick from the 1966 record titled Superman Musical Stories. It's uh, it's a bizarre one, and uh, I hope that there are still people listening to us after this song is played. <laughs> That is the song, uh, Mister Mixius Putlik. I think that actually in the ti- in the sub the title of the the album, the song doesn't actually have the Z or the Z in Mixius Putlik, so it's pronounced slightly different in the song. But oh, um, there you have it from 1966, and of course sung by the famous Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, no, but um, oh. could have been. Uh, yeah. But you can download the complete album from our website. Um, so uh, check it out, uh, Superman Musical Stories. Just do a search for it. Or if you're listening to uh, a particular version of this podcast, the link will be there for you to click on. So, uh, Superman, you know, I think I, I, I feel like that when they cast Gilbert Gottfried, they said, "Who's the most annoying <laughs> Superman villain?" And they said, "Well, Mister M. Let's not say his name because no one knows how to pronounce it." And then they said, "Who's the most kind of obnoxious, loud, annoying, but still entertaining?" comedian and then they cast Gilbert Gottfried and it was perfect it, it was, was like perfect. a match made in heaven 
That is our show. Um, it's it's a lengthy one today, but uh, that's the end of the year show. So we're uh, only too happy to give you something extra to listen to over the holidays. Uh, we um, we we wish everyone a very merry Christmas, uh, happy holidays, and a super new year. Uh, I hope twenty fifteen holds a, you know just the the best of everything for you: uh, happiness, success. Uh, whatever your your heart desires. And to you, Scotty, and your family, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Steve. I wish the same to you and uh, and your family. And I uh, hope everyone out there listening has a wonderful uh, holiday season, whatever your holiday, even if it's Festivus for the rest of us. Have a great time. Uh, enjoy uh, your family. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy whatever it is Superman-related that you get or do during the holiday season. And uh, since it is the time that Santa might be flying overhead in his sleigh with a bunch of flying reindeer, always remember without your mouth open, to look up in the sky. Hello, everyone. This is Superman, bringing you best wishes for a very Merry Christmas from Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and myself. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Superman.